Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Callender here, uh, and I want to welcome to the program Eric Rowell. Uh, he is a North Carolina native. He is um, an attorney, and he's in uh, Huntersville, and uh, he is the, I did not know this, Eric, you are the 2021 Sunshine Award winner from the North Carolina Open Government Coalition. Congratulations. First off, I didn't even know such an organization existed, but um, what is the Sunshine Award? What is that? Thanks, Pete. Uh, Look, uh, before we talk about the Sunshine Award, let me just start by saying I am still grateful WBT restored you to your rightful spot (laughs) as king of local news. (laughs) I don't know if they did that. Look, having me on to discuss asset forfeiture is a perfect example of why you're such an integral part of the local news scene here in Mecklenburg. So, I, again, appreciate uh, appreciate all you do. Well, I, so, I appreciate WBT uh, hiring me as well, so I, I do concur with you on that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just a little old radio host, and uh, I appreciate oh, I appreciate you bringing this uh, the issue to my attention, and because uh, this is it was it came out of the Huntersville Town Council, right? And and it was just an agenda item that you saw and what piqued your interest. Well, and that's right. And look, looping back, the Sunshine Award, is they give it, uh, it's the NC uh, Open Government Coalition. You can follow them online and on Twitter, uh, in, at NCOpenGov. They give an award for citizens or for members of the media or uh, government officials also who are doing good work in this state, across the state to increase transparency in, in government. So proud recipient of the 2021 award. Um, and this is the kind of thing that, you know, I guess they felt while I was deserving of this award. Um, yes, most recently, uh, the last uh, last meeting in Huntersville, April 3rd, um, the agenda had, last item on the agenda was a request for the town board to approve $284,000 in asset forfeiture-related expenditures on five, I think, five various items. This is an issue that I have paid attention to and been an advocate against for years now. And, you know, when that item showed up again on the agenda, it just kind of gave me, you know, inspiration to stop just tweeting about this. And I really just I, I decided there was more action, you know, that was needed. So I kind of came up with a plan of action to, to start moving the needle. And, and it starts with raising awareness about it. Because, look, even, you know, somebody like you who's so informed on so many local issues – um, you know, you're not that well-versed in this issue. No. So, like, um, tell us what is asset forfeiture. Start there. So, asset forfeiture 101, you know, broadly speaking, um, this is when the state or federal law enforcement is able to seize property or assets of individuals, usually when it's somehow in relation to um, a criminal uh, charge or some type of criminal enterprise. So, you have two levels. You've got state and federal levels. In North Carolina, North Carolina does not have civil asset forfeiture, except in very limited cases, limited to racketeering and one or two other uh, situations. Mainly in North Carolina, we only have criminal forfeiture, uh, which, which is why we constantly score high on these type rankings by the Institute for Justice and other groups that track this. 
So what North Carolina did a few years ago was we removed civil asset forfeiture, and essentially now um, it requires a criminal conviction for your for law enforcement to seize your property or money in relation to a criminal charge. And what we also did in North Carolina, we addressed the incentive problem. Okay, so the, one of the major problems with asset forfeiture is the proceeds from these seizures go back to local law enforcement. Mm-hmm. In North Carolina, if there is a criminal forfeiture, the proceeds go to the local schools. They do not go back to local law enforcement, which, as you can imagine, is why there are not a lot of criminal forfeitures. The vast majority of these that take place in the state are through uh, joint task force or adoptions that the local law enforcement agents participate with federal law enforcement agents on. Right. All right. Let me stop you there for a second, because this is uh, this is a point that actually comes up uh, in a lot of other issues unrelated, but sort of, which is what happens with the money. Same thing that that ended our uh, speed camera program in Charlotte, because they were trying to keep the money. The city was keeping the money. And in North Carolina, you got to give that money to the school districts. Um, And and so it became unprofitable. So the city scrapped it. So. I would say, like, because of that law, it actually does provide some level of protection against these kinds of abuses on the criminal forfeiture? Well, it does at a state level. At the state level, right. We have the quote-unquote loophole. And so what is the loophole? That's what's known as the equitable sharing program. And this is where uh, local law enforcement teams up with federal law enforcement, and you have two methods for forfeiture there. You have what's called adoption. Uh, where local law enforcement may, you know, seize money or drugs or property, and they will essentially turn that over to a federal, the, the participating federal agency, whether it's DOJ, Department of Homeland Security, IRS, something like that. Uh, and then the, the quote-unquote proceeds from that are split, usually 80-20, right? The, the local law enforcement agency receives 80% of the proceeds, the feds keep 20 the other way that this happens is through joint task force operations. And I don't, I don't know the breakdown in North Carolina currently, but for any, just to give your listeners you know, context, in fiscal year 2022, the uh, North Carolina had 85 agencies that participated in the equitable sharing program. And we, uh, those 85 agencies brought back roughly $17.7 million um, to North Carolina in, in 2022. So you, I don't have the exact split between the adoption and task force, but here in Huntersville, for example, we have seven officers who are members of various task force. And so then they, you know, they participate in various operations and we get some percentage of those proceeds based on our involvement. And this is, you know, same thing for a lot of local agencies um, you've got, uh, Cornet, you know, here in Mecklenburg, right? You've got Matthews participates, the Mint Hill Police Department, Pineville Police, Cornelius Police, and then obviously CMPD mm-hmm. all participate in this equitable sharing program. So what is the problem with this program? Why, why are you, uh, why are you drawing attention to, to this program? It seems like, look, you get, you bust somebody and they're, you know, they're selling drugs out of their car. So now you take possession of the car and now you turn it into an undercover police car or you, you sell it and take the money and fund some, you know, anti-drug programs or whatever. Like, what's the problem? Well, look, great question, right? So, so why should your listeners care about civil asset forfeiture? 
you know, like you said, isn't this just something that impacts drug dealers and criminals? And, and you know, isn't this just, quote-unquote, free money from the federal government that helps local law enforcement supplement their budgets? Not always. Sometimes innocent people have their money or property stolen, and it doesn't make it right because it's a government agent doing the stealing. This is where I always like to, to paraphrase the late, great Walter Williams. One of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not steal. Now, I'm fairly confident that God did not mean thou shalt not steal unless you get a majority vote on the Huntersville Town Board. So you always have to hold government accountable. It doesn't matter if it's the local, federal, or state levels. So, right, but the the police chief, right, uh, as I ordered the soon-to-be police chief, uh, he responded to some of these arguments and questions, didn't he? And he said, well, these are people that have already been adjudicated as as uh, they were convicted. That's... And so that's why we have the, why we get the assets. Well, Ronald Reagan told us to trust but verify, mm-hmm. and I like to trust but verify. So, um, what I have started to try to encourage people to do, and what I do here locally in Huntersville, and that that's that's always my focus. My focus is is Huntersville, to the chagrin of everybody at town hall and at, at the police <laughs> department. Uh, I, my almost sole focus is Huntersville. So we are sitting on currently. in the asset forfeiture funds for Huntersville. So uh, what I have started doing is encouraging our uh, local officials to ask questions about this. Because if if Huntersville is involved in spending money of one person, one innocent person, who has gotten wrapped up in an adoption process or a joint task force, I think that's important for the town board to know. We should not be spending proceeds that have been taken from innocent people or innocent third parties, whether it be an example of somebody who uh, you know is wrongfully accused, whether it's a the mother or the father or roommate of somebody who is charged and they get wrapped up in this um, kind of unknowingly. We need to we need to be asking these questions. So and so short of right, yeah. So I mean the. the I'm just trying to walking through the argument here. Seems to me like if uh, if I want to keep the money, I would su- I would just say, well, look, they went through the court process, and where you find guilt or innocence is in the judicial process, and I have to be able to trust the judicial process was done correctly. I'm not I'm not in charge of the judiciary. I'm over here in the town council, so I I can't I can't be monitoring every single. Um, uh, every single court case and the the disposition of it, I got to trust that the courts did the right thing. They convicted the person, and so it sounds like that. And short of doing that, the only way to be safe on it would be to just say, "Don't take any of the asset forfeiture money." Is that so? Is that really the argument? Well, not quite, because again, remember it's civil asset forfeiture, right? So we're talking about a civil process here. So there's not necessarily a guilt or innocence. This okay, hang on. All right. from, so I thought you said that the civil asset, we don't have the civil asset forfeiture, and this was only criminal side. That's that's just at a state level. At a right? state so level. Again, North Carolina has criminal asset forfeiture. What I'm talking about, and the fiscal year 2022 figures that I cited, these are all civil processes. That so came with federal criminal. joint task forces. Correct. Gotcha. And that's, again, that's part of the problem. This is exactly why the the process has been set up the way it has, because this is a civil process where the burden of proof is much lower yeah. and where you are not automatically entitled to an attorney. The vast majority of these cases are not adjudicated by a judge. Okay, so And that's because it is very expensive to challenge the federal court system. 
you know, the, the U.S. government has almost unlimited resources, thanks to taxpayers, and they, you know, will not shy away from using those resources uh, if people try to challenge these seizures. So this is why, you know, th- this is about increasing transparency in government. So we're sitting on six, 611000 for example, here in Huntersville. I've just simply asked our town board to say, where are these funds coming from? You know, do we just need specifics? You know, how many cases, what type of assets have been seized? And then more importantly, right, are any of these monies coming from individuals who have not been convicted of a crime or even charged with a crime? And then have any of these monies come from individuals who may have had their civil rights or constitutional rights violated in the process of the seizure? Eric Rowell, um, if you got a... uh any way people can contact you if you uh, if you you know looking for leads uh, for people that may have been abused under these types of uh, programs? Do you have anything you uh, a- any way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, um, Pete, I'd love to come back on and, and share some information about local examples because this is not hypothetical. This is not theoretical. You've got the Jermaine Sanders case just north of us in Morrisville that is where his seventeen thousand dollars in cash were seized in November of twenty twenty. He is still litigating trying to get that money back, you know, almost three years later. So this is this is a real thing. And if, yeah, if people want to reach out, they can obviously find me on Twitter. Uh, it's Eric W. Rowell. If you want to follow tweets about asset forfeiture and the occasional tweets about abolishing the ABC here in North Carolina, <laughs> but that's another show. All right. Eric Rowell, thanks for your time today. Keep up the good work, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Pete. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at CarolinaReadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? I have all these audio cuts of Afro Man, and uh, I thought for a second I'd, I'd misplaced them. No, they were just buried under all of the uh, the, the cuts of uh, Trisha Cotham and Democrats reacting to Trisha Cotham and all that. Okay, so I got Afro. Right, do, you, do you know who Afro Man is? Joseph Foreman, exactly. Right. Oh, no, you don't know who that... Okay. Joseph Foreman, a.k.a. Afro Man. I will play you a short bit here. Maybe this will jar your memory a little bit. Maybe. Do you know? No? Is it ringing a bell? This is Afro Man. I was gonna clean my room until I got high. It basically goes on like this for a while. But then I got high. Yeah, you just. The name of the song is Then I Got High. Still messed up. Yeah. And I know why. Why, man? Yeah, because I got high. Right. Because I got high. There you go. So that's the song. All right. All right. This was from like the 90s or something. And uh, I think they did a video with Jay and Silent Bob uh, from the from the movie Clerks. Right. Um, And then I think they had their own movies. Anyway, 
it became, as you might imagine it could, a bit of an anthem <laughs> for people who uh, smoked wheat. And the whole song is just him saying different things that he was going to do, and then he didn't get around to doing them because he got high, right? So that's his that's his song. That was the big thing for him, and uh, that was the only, I don't even know if it was a hit, but he has obviously made a living off of it. He is known as Afro Man. He does have an Afro. and um, But his real name is Joseph Foreman. And he is in a bit of a, a bit of a fracas, if you will, with the Adams County Sheriff's Office in Ohio. Seven members of the Adams County Sheriff's Office who raided his home last year are now suing him. <laughs> yeah. They say he invaded their privacy. <laughs> this is a this is a bizarre story. Okay, so let's back up. This is according to WXIX, Fox 19. Ken Baker. A search warrant at the time alleged probable cause of kidnapping and drug trafficking. That's what prompted them to raid Afro Man's house. Okay. Uh, back in August of 2022. And they took like $5,000 in cash into evidence out of his house. Two Adams County deputies were responsible for counting, bagging, and tagging the cash for evidence. Months later, uh, in November, no formal charges were ever brought against the rapper, and his cash was returned. But he says not all of it. <laughs> he says not all of it was returned. Yeah, see, there are many twists and turns to this tale, including a couple of songs that Afro Man has cut about the raid. And there's video. David Strom over at HotAir.com writing about Afro Man a couple of uh, weeks ago. Talking about this raid on the rapper's house in Ohio. The warrant was to search for narcotics and evidence of a kidnapping or maybe even a kidnapping victim. Neither was found. Not even sure that there was ever a victim found. Not sure where this came from. Um, he says, uh, can I... Can I sue a police department for taking and releasing a mugshot for a crime that I get acquitted for? No, right? If I get arrested for something, I get a mugshot taken, police then release the mugshot, I get acquitted, can I sue them for that mugshot? No. And that mugshot would follow me around for the rest of my life. Harms my reputation, right? Even if the charges were entirely bogus. All right, so might the equivalent flip side of this example be police raid your home and you have a security system set up in your home and that security system includes cameras and you then take the the video of the raid and you then push that out to your your audience that follows you on YouTube or whatever well, that's what Afro Man did. He created a music video 
<laughs> out of the raid on his house. In fact, he did two. He did two videos because he's got cameras everywhere. And so, well, here was the first one. It's not really rapping. More like an R&B feel. I think he calls this one, Will You Help Me Repair My Door? And, and Gate. Yeah. Will you help me repair my gate? Will you help me repair my door? And as you can imagine... Did you find what you yeah. was looking for? He's showing video of them bashing down his gate, bashing down his door, right? <laughs> Would you like a slice of lemon pound cake? Okay, so this is because the lemon pound cake features prominently in this video because there's a video camera set up in the kitchen and there's a lemon pound cake sitting on the counter and there's one police officer who is a little bit uh, husky. And uh, he's walking by the pound cake as they're searching, and he he sort of does a double take, and he looks at it. Kind of, he's kind of oogling the the lemon pound cake. You can take as much as you want to take. There must be a big mistake. Would you like to have a slice of my lemon pound cake? So Afro Man has now been performing these tunes. The warrants, <laughs> narcotics, and kidnapping. Yeah, on the road, he's been performing these. The warrants, narcotics, and kidnapping. Are you kidding? I make my money rapping. Why does the warrants say narcotics? Well, I know narcotics, but why kidnapping? Right. <laughs> Let me ask you something, officer. Any kidnapping victims inside my suit pockets? Because now you see the officers searching all the suit pockets. Victims inside my suit pockets. You crooked cops need to stop it. There are no kidnapping victims in my suit pockets. Alrighty, so this it proceeds like this for like another good, I don't know, three or four minutes. It's it, it's kind of it gets kind of tedious towards the end and. Because he's like going over, like, or did you find any kidnapping victims in my CD cases? Because uh, like all the video that he's got until they rip the security system out of the wall, apparently, like until they shut his cameras down. He has all this video. I think his wife was there shooting some uh, cell phone video as well. So he turns these into songs and he's performing them out on the circuit, whatever that circuit is. And he because one of them is a live video like it's. From multiple camera angles. He's at like some bar. And he's standing up there singing his song and rapping. And all of the the crowd, which all appear to be like, you know, late teens, early 20s. White kids with, you know, tattoos of pot leaves on them. And uh, and like that's that, that's the audience he's attracting, whatever. So he's at these he, he's at this bar and they're all singing along with his songs and stuff. Well, this has gotten... 
the uh, law enforcement very upset in Adams County, Ohio, <laughs> because they are now suing him over the tunes. Four deputies, two sergeants and a detective are claiming that Afro man took footage of their faces obtained during the raid and used it in music videos and social media posts without their consent. They were in his house. A misdemeanor violation under Ohio's codes, though. See, here's the problem. He totally did this. <laughs> if this is against the law in Ohio, he totally did it. And I think this was, I mentioned the lemon pound cake. It featured in that other one. But it actually it actually has a place of honor all among, uh, or uh, just uh, by itself, among his tunes. This was the one he did. The Adams County Sheriff yeah. kicked down my door. Then I heard the glass break. <laughs> they found no kidnapping victims, just some lemon pound cake. Mama's lemon pound cake. It tastes so nice. It made the sheriff wanna put down his gun and cut him a slice. Of what? Of what? Lemon pound cake. Now you got the audience singing. Put down his lemon pound cake. Trending on TikTok. Lemon pound cake. He's a family guy. Lemon pound cake. Munchies because he got hot. Lemon pound cake. Pound cake. All righty. So that's the song he's touring with. Um, and the uh, deputies are not fans. The plaintiffs say that they are entitled to all of Afro Man's profits from his use of their personas. They're suing on civil grounds saying that. Uh, his use of their faces, their personas, in the videos and social media posts resulted in their, quote, emotional distress, embarrassment, ridicule, loss of reputation, and humiliation. Uh, they say they want proceeds from the songs, music videos, the live event tickets, as well as the promotion of uh, Foreman's Afro Man brand, brand, under which he sells beer, pot, T-shirts, and other merchandise. So it wasn't just the Afro Man it wasn't just the song, then I got high. See, he's it's the brand. That's where the money is. They're also asking for an injunction to take down all videos and posts containing their personas. Look, if the law is as clear as this, then it's pretty clear that he like uh, he's he took their images and like this. And yes, he is totally marketing them, right? He's totally using them in songs without their consent. However, however. There may be a gray area here because they did barge into his house, right? It's his video. Okay. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. 
Uh, let me go over here to the phones. Here's Tony. Welcome to the program. Hello, Tony. Hey, hey what's going on, man? Hey, what's going hey. on with you? I got to get that lemon pound cake video. You got to tell me how to get that video. It oh, is, my God. Af- it's, the guy's name is Afro Man on YouTube. And on YouTube. On YouTube, you just look up Afro Man lemon pound cake. It will pop up, and Afro- it's glorious. Man, that is the funniest thing. You know what? Them officers should be suing who gave them the wrong information. That's what they should be going after. That's a, you know, and put, a great point. I, yeah, I don't know why. Like that is one part of this story that has not that has not made any reports that I have seen as to what exactly w- uh, brought them to to Afro Man's door in the first place. I tell you what, I, I bet those officers uh, from now on they'll make sure. <laughs> They'll make sure that things are verified, That's as right. they say. Right. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it. Man. Yeah, man, absolutely. He's a Adams County Sheriff. He's hungry and he's big as hell. I did mention he was kind of husky. He was, he, he was big. He was sniffing for weed. Then he smelled another smell. Mm-hmm. What was that? Mama's lemon pound cake. It tastes so nice. And I will say the deputy, he, he did a double take and his eyes got real big. The sheriff want to put down his gun and cut him a slice. Of what? Of what? Lemon pound cake. He want to put down his glide. Lemon pound cake. Trending on TikTok. Lemon pound cake. He's a family guy. Lemon pound cake. The munchies because he got high. Lemon pound cake. Okay. He says the profits from the sales are helping him rebuild his life and repair his property. Quote, once they didn't find drugs being trafficked, once they didn't find kidnapping victims, they didn't apologize to me as an American citizen. They are public figures. If they was really concerned about their privacy, they wouldn't be putting their names on a public lawsuit. They obviously don't care about their privacy. Um, the suspicions turned out to be unfounded. The Adams County Prosecutor's Office said the raid failed to turn up any probative criminal evidence so the the yeah and then oh and then they came up hundreds of dollars short when they were giving him his money back they had this whole audit done and then they were like oh actually the cops just counted it wrong now they had it on video they, and and apparently that was the discrepancy hello terry welcome to the show what's going on hey pete hey <clears throat> i enjoy your segment here uh, on afro man <laughs> Uh, I do not think that the uh, police has any right to sue him, but the the people who uh, own the uh, rights to the song Boardwalk by the Drifters <laughs> probably will sue him <laughs> for uh, plagiarism. That's true. <laughs> because because even uh, even Weird Al Yankovic had to get permission permission from Michael Jackson to do Beat It. Eat It. Eat it. Yeah, yeah, for Eat It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's a good point. I, like, I wonder... Does he have the rights for that, or did he get the rights? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very good question. Yeah, that's what we don't know. But if he didn't, he might be he might be in uh, uh, troubled waters with that. Yeah, he may be in more trouble over that than the lawsuit from uh, from law enforcement. Yeah, that's true. There you go. Yeah, there Terry, you go. appreciate it, bud. All right, man, take it easy. Um, the complaint also says this all came from his home surveillance camera, his wife's cell phone camera, and it says that uh, Foreman Joseph Foreman, aka Afro Man, 
also created dozens of videos and images of the plaintiff's personas and posted them on various social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, and Instagram. It uh, specifically cites seven Instagram posts, all of which have since been deleted. In one post, according to the complaint, Foreman allegedly congratulated a law enforcement officer who was involved in the raid, saying, quote, thank you for getting me 5.4 million hits on TikTok. I couldn't have done it without you, obviously. Congratulations again. You're famous for all the wrong reasons. This raises a very interesting question, though, in all seriousness for me, which is, do I have the right to take that video? It's my video. It's my home. You busted down my door. You didn't find any criminal activity. You busted down my door. Do I have the right to complain about that using my video of you in my house? The plaintiffs say they've been subjected to ridicule by potheads all across the land, uh, by people uh, who saw the posts, and uh, the posts have made it more dangerous for them to carry out their duties. They say they also claim that they have endured death threats by anonymous members of the public who have seen some of the defendants postings all right that's too far obviously hope i mean get to the bottom if you can of you know who did the death threats but i mean honestly they're potheads like they were totally gonna go you know act out the death threat but then they got hot and you're probably safe